Asian Pacific expression. Good evening. You're tuned into Apex Express on KPFA, bringing you an Asian and an Asian American view from the Bay and around the world. This is Tracy Nguyen. Tonight, we're talking with youth leaders of the Acre Network. Acre stands for Asian Americans for Civil Rights and Equality. It's been six months of a pandemic. Tonight, we're going to talk to them about growing the movement while we are sheltered in place and developing our leaders at a very unique time. And welcome to Apex Express. Tonight is Acre Fourth Thursday. Acre is a network of 11 Asian American activist groups fighting for social justice and equality. Tonight, we're talking to four young activists who have just completed various summer trainings, organizing schools, fellowships, and institutes from across our Acre network. We have Leo, who completed a youth activist training called the Bay Area Solidarity Summer, hosted by ASATA, which stands for Alliance of South Asians Taking Action. We have Ranjana, who finished camp, which is a weekend leadership camp for emerging Bhutanese refugees leaders with Asian Refugees United. Fun fact, camp was actually inspired by BASE. We have Charlie and Asia who completed an organizing institute with HIP in Fresno and Sacramento. HIP stands for Hmong Innovating Politics. And finally, Kasi, who's graduated from APING's eight-week summer organizing program. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you all for joining us on Apex Express. I'm super stoked to have you all on the show tonight. I'm also a product of many, many leadership programs myself, starting at the age of 18. And a fun fact, I'm an alumni of Pink's summer program as well. And I'm super thankful for people and activists who've invested their time in me and helping me build my own political awareness and organizing skills and activist chops. So just to start us off, I'm actually meeting a lot of you for the first time on this call tonight. So let's do a go around and just share where you all are calling from because, you know, I know a lot of you were able to participate virtually from where you were across the country. So where you're from, what you're spending your time doing currently, whether you're in school or working, and just what sparked your activist journey around social justice. Hi everyone, my name is Ranjana. I'm currently a student at The Ohio State University. This is my fourth year. I'm majoring in finance. And basically my inspiration for being a youth activist is the struggle that I've seen my people like in my community go through. Like me and my family being one of them, it's just been difficult to come to the United States as an immigrant and be able to settle down so I've seen my struggle I've experienced the struggle so I just wanted to be able to help out other people in my community so yeah awesome calling all the way from Ohio thank you for joining us tonight you're welcome hey this is Leo I am calling in from from Oakland in the Bay Area and yeah really excited to be on the show tonight so a little bit about my background in organizing. I was involved with the Bay Area Solidarity Summer with Asata, but I've actually been doing a lot of work recently with APINC and Parivar as well, organizing South Asian and uh, API trans and queer community. And uh, part of the reason I wanted to get into that is, you know, growing up, I was around a lot of South Asian community, but I didn't often see, you know, trans and queer role models or really I didn't have any community there. And it was definitely really isolating. And I think I experienced that a lot in school when I went to college as well. And up to the Bay about about a year ago today, and I was really happy to find this really extensive network and community of trans and queer API folks. And I've just been 
really excited to connect and, and build with them. So just, you know, continuing my journey from there. It's beautiful. Uh, Leah, where did you say you grew up? Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Ranjana, I, I wanted just to get a picture of where everyone's from. Where did you say you're an immigrant? What country did you um, immigrate from? Oh, I was born in Nepal, so I came Nepal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, cool. So, so far, already a lot of journeys to get here. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Angel and Lee. I also go by Asia. I grew up in the Central Valley as a second generation Hmong American. I'm currently entering my fourth year as a political science student at Sac State. And I am working with the Philosophical Project at Sac State, which is a central on campus to retain API students. And also what inspired my activism in API spaces specifically was I always had the desire to learn and research and really advocate for social justice issues throughout high school. But because I was primarily in apolitical spaces, my family never really mentioned politics or anything of that sort. I never really saw it as an opportunity to, to have a career in it or anything of that sort. And so until I finally came to Sacramento, California, uh, where I'm also a student at, I was able to really experience it and realize that getting involved in activism doesn't have to necessarily just be primarily government or campaigns and stuff, although I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to do so as well. And yeah, that's what, um, just a fact of like, you know, it, we're supremely underrepresented, especially in staff and stuff like that, makes me all the more determined to keep pushing for representation and advocacy. Amazing. So where in Central Valley did you grow up? Um, Merced and Fresno. And you made your way to Sacramento? Yes. Awesome. Wonderful to have you. How about you, Cassie? Hey, everyone. So my name is Cassie. I use they, them pronouns. I'm calling in today from Indiana, where I attend school. So I'm from New York, Queens, New York, and that's where I was born and raised. And yeah, so a lot of my activism started when I was like 15 or 16. I joined this grassroots organizing collective called Daisy's Rising Up and Moving, also known as DRUM, which like surrounded like South Asian and Indo- Indo-Caribbean like working class folks. And I think, yeah, that space was really important for me because it really like activated me. It helped me come to terms with like my own politics and also like showed like for me, like, wow, like, I have the power to resist and fight against systems. And then I found out about APINC through uh, the network, the organizing network that I've been a part of. And yeah, it was really important for me to also be in a space where, like, all aspects of me were recognized, like being Indo-Caribbean, but also like my queerness and my transness and all that. So yeah. Did you say you were involved in drum? Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay, so I already have a full circle story. Leo, I don't know if you remember, but I was in one of your breakout sessions for one of APINC's community safety workshops and DRUM was one of our case studies. Is that right, Leo? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. I I met Kathy and Leo in passing this summer, but it's all connected. And finally, Charlie. Hello, my name is Charlie Lee. Use the pronouns he, him, and his. I'm 18 years old, born and raised in Fresno, California, and I am currently a first-year student at Clovis Community College, majoring in political science. So for my journey, I mostly got into activism because I have a unique intersectionality of being Hmong and queer, and so I was really was really looking for a place to foster my own voice and to be able to learn how to use my voice to create the change that I hope to see in my lifetime, as well as to help future generations um, of queer folk. I also advocate a lot for education justice, especially being Southeast Asian. But I am fortunate enough parents who are educated, both um, graduated college, and so I'm able to reap the benefits of the education system. But I know that's not the case with a lot of other Southeast Asian folks. So I I strongly advocate for education justice, such as ethnic studies and making sure that our students have the resources they need in order to succeed. I am a youth leader with Innovating Politics and their youth group. And I also participated in, in the Youth Organizing Institute hosted by HIP. Wow, very, very cool. I'm an ethics studies major myself. And so 
you're it's incredible you're 18 and advocating for ethnic studies i met a like a 16 year old also who's getting involved with us and you know she's like i'm studying black feminism at my community college i'm like what like it's just it's just really incredible to hear what youth are doing nowadays and their exposure to such a diverse amount of curriculum and education yeah, I guess that just is a way for our viewers to, or our listeners to understand our speakers today. Is it okay if I ask what everyone's age is? Is if you're comfortable, I'm just curious. Yeah. Go ahead and say your name and your age if you're open to sharing. Ranjana, I'm 21. Yep, this is Leo. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier, I use he and they pronouns and I'm 23. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Asia with she and her pronouns, and I'm 21. I'm Cassie Dalem, and I'm 21. Amazing. So we have young people from the age of 18 to their 20s. I'm really excited about this because, as you all know, it's been a heck of a year. I'm in California, in North Northern California right now, so we are facing wildfires just like endless amount of smoke and our forest is burning up and you know it's hard to stay hopeful it's hard to you know stay grounded in the work and I'm finding myself and a lot of my colleagues and my peers like the youth are so inspiring and I don't know if you get that a lot but it's just really inspiring it just comes off in your energy it comes off in like you know, the work that you're focused on, it comes off in just like your wisdom and brilliance that comes out and manifests on the streets in our movement spaces. So um, when I say I'm excited, it's just like, it's just, it's really, it's really a breath of fresh air, you know? So my question for you all next is a lot of you did your programs virtually. I guess I'm curious, what, what was that like, first of all? Uh, a lot of you did organizing schools that were a weekend long. Some of you all did a summer long program, which was weeks on weeks on end. Some of y'all did, you know, camps for a weekend. Just, yeah. What was your, what was everyone's experience like? Um, you know, I, I forgot to mention earlier, but over the summer I did, this is Ranjana, by the way, I, I worked with Asian uh, Refugee United from Bay Area. And basically, we did, this is an annual camp. The camp they do annually three days, three days, yeah, three day over three days, and it's usually done in person. This year was my first year attending. I've been wanting to attend this camp for like three years now, and there was never like a right time. So this year I was able to. And the sad thing was it had to happen over Zoom, but honestly, it like really exceeded my expectations because I thought something's going to go wrong because there were so many people like attending, so many youths attending. And uh, besides that, I was so inspired throughout this entire camp to see there are more youth my age like me caring about my community as much as I do. And it was just so inspiring to see and like to hear everyone talk about their personal experience and what they do uh, outside of school, you know, because basically as a minority, I've always focused on school before I was um, an activist in my community. School was my first priority. I always thought my parents brought me here. They want to see me success, like they want to see me being successful. So I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do my best. But like, there's more to, I guess, our community than just going to school. There are so many people caring about like talking about what's wrong, being so vocalized about things that are wrong in our community. So yeah, it was very inspiring to me just to be part of this um, camp. So I really want to thank thank the host, Robin Dai, for giving me the opportunity. So yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Ranjana, how did you hear about camp through Asian Refugees United? Oh, my, my friend, actually. Uh, I used to live in Bay Area too before mm-hmm. I moved here for college. And I, I have many friends back there. So she, one of them actually participated last year too. And she told me to be part of it for like, she had told me before this too, but I never like, I don't know, I didn't pay attention at first. But then last year she told me about her experience and I was like, okay, let me try it. And I couldn't be there last year. So this year she again encouraged me to be part of it. And also I was representing my organization from OSU 
too. Mm-hmm. I'm the treasurer of BASA, which is which stands for Bhutanese American Student Organization at the Ohio State University. So I was partly mm-hmm. representing BASA. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my friends told me and it was really an amazing experience and I hope I get to do it every year. Wow. That's that's really cool. I don't know if you know this, but Robin, who runs mm-hmm. Asian Refugees United, he was participant of BASE. And I'm going to have Leo talk about BASE after this. BASE is a Bay Area Solidarity Summer with the South Asian Young Activists. And Robin saw that in the, you know, BASE is a wonderful program, but, you know, Robin is a refugee from Bhutan and the South Asian experiences weren't quite lifting up this specific experience of Bhutanese refugees. And so he was inspired by BASE to create CAMP, which is also uh, activist training, but specifically for Bhutanese and Nepali immigrants and refugees. And so, yeah, that, that's the story of CAMP. And it's really great to hear how folks are connecting with that. Yeah, and I'm just really thankful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Leo, I referenced BASE a couple of times. Can you share more about your experience with BASE? The summer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think that, you know, I was also quite surprised about how great, you know, a virtual virtual camp was. So base was, you know, this five day camp and we it was full day. We had, you know, sessions in the um, morning and afternoon and even kind of more casual sessions in the evening all over Zoom. And yeah, I was just surprised by how wonderful it, it was to like show up in that space and have these more, you know, learning oriented sessions and then sessions that were a lot about fostering connection and community. So we had, you know, some community mixers where um, a lot of different folks came in. I think um, the person you mentioned who started camp also came in to, to talk to participants and it was a great opportunity to just like connect with folks who are organizing and, and have, you know, built a lot of different really great things in the community. And yeah, you know, it was also just great to connect with other participants that way. I think like, you know, I want to acknowledge, Tracy, what you said about how this has been a really difficult year and especially right now, you know, it's crazy in the Bay to look out of your window and see like the sky is orange, right? It's very disorienting. But I think something like this, you know, base was a great way to really feel grounded and feel connected to people and feel connected to people who have similar values, who are working towards the same kind of things. Yeah, it was just a really, really great opportunity. Mm. Yeah, it's so important for us to stay connected. Like a lot of our communities, we're already relying on community spaces to build power. And so once we had to shelter in place, you know, that connection was all the more vital and Cassie, I'm curious, you know, you probably spent the most time online with your summer program with APINC, the LGBT youth program, sorry, specifically summer organizing program. What was that like for you to spend weeks on end on Zoom with your peers? Yeah, thanks for asking, Tracy. I think, you know, it was really good. I mean, at first, like, acknowledging, like, even what Zoom fatigue or just screen fatigue is, but also, like, how important it was to also have the space because we're in shelter in place. And specifically, I feel like even as, like, a queer person, what that means. But I think with being a part of A-Pink and their summer organizer program, there was, like, so much intentionality in making time to build relationships, whether it was a mixer when we're like playing games or having a fun day, all of these things being a part about a part of like the sustainability of movement work was really important and lesson that I learned. So yeah, it was really great to build, you know, relationships with people through whether it was like working with them, but like also having fun with them and which made like being on the computer all day more like, you know, fun and like helpful. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I. it's pretty impressive how creative our communities can get when we're in the doing the virtual thing. I've been to a couple of A-Pink events. That's where I met Leo, too. And yeah, it's amazing to see, like, especially queer folks, you know, queer and trans folks on the front lines of organizing these events, like how inclusive, welcoming, and warm it is in order for us to stay connected and feel connected. We're going to take a quick music break. We're going to listen to Yuri Kochiyama by Blue Scholars. Mm-hmm. 
even if them kids caught the shirts and stopped wearing them. Humbled in the presence of the veterans and not the ones who picked up their guns, but who picked up their brethren and sister in. History in the making, I was witnessing, listening. Seen this old Japanese lady with the sticker on a rocker said, Free Mumia, and this was before the trust of Farians were saying it. Taking it for granted that we talk about the 60s and never get to talk to anybody who done lived the shit and still exists. Or better yet, shit, she still resists. Speaking to a myriad of young, dumb, and ignorant kids. I was one of them. Stuck around lingering. Said that it's a privilege to meet you in person. And she took my hand, said it's good to meet you too. And when I'm out of school, ask me what I'm gonna do. I had to think about it, but truth is I knew that it was something for the youth and shit. Truly, I'd probably be a teacher if the music didn't make enough to make me want to gamble on its sustenance. And that's why I'm writing this to tell y'all from a scholar. When I grow up, I want to be just like Yuri Kojiyama. Holla, swear to my Kasamas. When I grow up, I want to be just like Yuri Kojiyama. And if she ever hear this, it's an honor. Because when I grow up, I want to be just like Yuri Kojiyama. The people proper And when I grow up I wanna be just like Yuri Kojiyama Up in Life magazine, you were sitting front seat for Malcolm's last speech. Saw the first man with the shotgun. Two more came to get the job done. Now, who would have thought that it'd be you holding him? I wonder what you felt when his eyes would go with them. And if he never died, would we know that he exists? Or would he been the leader that we always seem to miss? Now there's no taking back whatever happens in our midst. You remind me that it's more than just a martyr and a myth. You could have said it quits many times ever since. And you find there will always be a reason for the fist. The last one to hold them could have been somebody else. They'd still be remembered for the people that you helped. They said it keeps trying, but never losing hope. Revolutionaries die, but the revolution don't, and it won't. And I put that on my mama. Cause when I grow up, I wanna be just like Yuri Kojiyama. Holla, swear to my Kasamas. When I grow up, I wanna be just like Yuri Kojiyama. And if she ever hear this, it's an honor. Cause when I grow up, I wanna be just Just like Yuri Kochiyama, comma, serve the people proper. When I grow up, I wanna be just like Yuri Kochiyama. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Apex Express on 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and K24ABR in Santa Cruz. And always online at kpfa.org. You just listened to Yuri Kochiyama by Blue Scholars. And as Yuri always said, you know, what should Asian Americans be doing today? Fighting against racism injustices, inequities, transform yourself first, keep expanding your horizons, decolonize your mind and cross borders. So we're talking tonight to graduates and youth participants of amazing summer programs that focus on leadership development uh, within the Asian American community. And we're talking about what it's like to build within movement spaces virtually. And I want to talk to Charlie next. And Charlie is part of Hmong Innovating Politics and doing a lot of the work with folks in the Central Valley. Yeah, I know you all have been doing incredible phone banking during this election season and staying super connected online too. What has the virtual experience been like at HIP? Hello, I'm Charlie again. And Virtual experience at HIP, especially at the Youth Organizing Institute that happened week of July, four days. It honestly was exhausting, but it did blow me out of the water from what I was expecting. They really made sure to take care of 
all the participants, even bringing us food, care packages for us to snack on throughout our four days together. And I, I was honestly very bummed out that it was going to be virtual. But if this organizing institute taught me one thing, it was that community and passion has no bounds whatsoever. For me, I think in that space, I was actually one of the more experienced members or participants because I've been doing this work for three years. And even though I'm only 18, there were participants that were 14, 15, barely starting high school. And it was great to see how engaging and passionate these youth were. I could really see how contagious this work um, is to stay and to keep inspiring the youth. And so like we spoke a lot about particular issues such as education, justice, racism, how to be a better LGBTQ plus ally, and many more topics. And I was really blown away about how knowledgeable our youth were. It was also a great place to network and to work with youth who are passionate about the same things that I'm in. And it's overall a great experience. And though it was virtual, I think learning and the experience was still unlike any other. Wow. You know, it's still hard for me to comprehend how people are fully engaging <laughs> virtually. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working virtually myself organizing, but a lot of you all are still in school too, in college, I assume. And, you know, I'm not a parent, so I don't, I don't have any, I don't, I'm not exposed to any kids who are doing virtual learning. I'm curious, like what, on top of all this, what is virtual learning like? What's happening to our education scene during this time of a very unprecedented year. Asia, do you have insights on how that's going for you? Yes. Hello, everyone. It's Asia. Yeah, I I think I actually ended up taking more units this semester than I expected to, but I am doing Model UN. I'm taking my last two main courses, public policy, and I believe like just political theory. And so it's, on top of them being also Asian politics as well. And so it's very interesting just to see already, first and foremost, it's already, of course, like, you know, just socioeconomic disparities, right? Like students who have to drop out, who have decided to take breaks and stuff like that. It's very worrisome. I'm very honored and, and grateful for what I have to be able to continue my education during this time. I know there was a couple, like, you know, just news reports about, like, well, maybe not enough about, like, children in elementary schools who just automatically couldn't be even found or like no contact after the pandemic. That's something I try to just balance in terms of like, you know, being grateful and also trying uh, to think and uh, be very helpful when it comes to classes. I know professors for sure are struggling in their own capacities as well to adjust to the online platform. But I think it's honestly, a lot of it is very being intentional with your break. Everything's online now. I'm very fortunate to be able to stay home and work as well from home. So it's, but it still, it does come with the cost of just constantly staring at the screen. I have really bad eye strain and I was able to get like blue light filter glasses. And even then it's really making sure you pace yourself and the understanding that we're also learning in a pandemic. I think there's a lot of like conversations about that, but you know, requiring students to have their videos on and stuff like that. And I'm happy to say that my university has not required it as they should, because I, I don't think that people should um, lose out on their education just because they don't have access to, te- you know, fast internet technology. And, you know, people literally have to take care of their families, work, you know, make a living. And so that's something I always try to keep in mind and, and try to spread the, you know, the awareness of because if it's not spoken, it will go under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so real, the digital divide and how many people are being pushed out of the institutions now because of and access to the digital tools, the resources to continue the education. That's really fascinating. Well, I'm also curious. So I'm, I'm curious for this, for all of, you, all of you, like what we're talking about your experience with these summer programs and your political education and activist journey. What, what was your takeaway or like your, your reflection from the summer and what do you focus on now? What is your North star? You know, is it just, finished school? Are you, has your summer with these organizations inspired uh, a certain path for you? You know, I don't want to just ask like, oh, what do you want to do after college? That's, that's not the question, right? It's like, what are you working towards right now? 
Um, my goal after the camp has been to register as many voters as possible for the 2020 election. Um, because I have noticed there, like in my community, there are many, many, many Bhutanese American citizens that are not registered to vote. And our topic at Camp 2020 this year was to avoid voting and how that will affect our next four years of our lives. So, yeah, I'm working on that. I'm actually every day I'm calling people in our community and asking them to register to vote. And if they can't, if, like obviously the older generation in our community is not, uh, they're not educated enough to actually like even write their names so my job is to go house to house sometimes obviously max wearing max protected and fill out the registration form and submit it so yeah that's my goal and honestly the camp 2020 has really opened my eyes to be more involved in my community than i was before basically the ending also another main topic was the generation gap between our parents and us and how do we end that like how we progress towards educating our elders on such issues like gender inequality domestic violence toxic masculinity in our community Mm -hmm. and it just like i get i think the camp really gave us a platform to talk about these issues that we don't talk about every day to our friends to our families so i think this is really eye-opening for me as somebody that like grew up in such a minority community like nobody ever talks to me about these things you know it's not something that i grew up listening about like not these problems never existed to me like to be seen as such a big deal because obviously my family never talked to me about it it never happened to me and i'm very thankful but also made me realize there are people like me that go to these problems every day and as somebody that is an activist or like youth leader in my community it's my job to be there for those people help those in need yeah so basically this was an amazing experience and i again would like to thank everybody that organized the camp 2020 yeah wow that that's really awesome so camp inspired you to be involved in your elections um in your campaign in ohio and if i'm I'm correct is ohio a swing state i know no is it a i'm sorry i don't think so is it a blue state or red state it's a it's a red state. Oh, it's a red state. Okay, so all the more valuable, uh, all the more value your efforts mm-hmm. in the campaign. That's incredible. Thank you so much for doing that. And I know, like a lot of the Bhutanese community in California, had also been pushed out during the pandemic to states like Ohio. So what you're doing is going to make an incredible difference. And thank you for doing that work. And that's a great story. Thank you. Was it Charlie who wanted to go next? Yes, I could go. Hello, it's Charlie again. So for my short term, North Star, I guess, would just be this general election coming up. As somebody who advocates for proper allocation of resources and funding, I'm I'm advocating for Goals and Communities First, which is Proposition 15. I was also very fortunate to have the chance to educate participants about a little bit more about it and the project um, that I am doing, which would be to collect youth stories about their education journey and what resources they wish they had access to in their K-12 education. Because even though our youth aren't eligible to vote or people under 18 aren't eligible to vote, such as many of our students, I still want their voice to be included um, in this general election. And so that's a project that I'm doing. But in terms of like a long-term North Star that I wasn't really expecting was revolves around culture and, and understanding my own culture and how to to make it more understandable for myself and for younger generations not necessarily Americanizing it, but making it in a way that is easier to comprehend and to take in. For example, we learned about Pando, which is a Hmong textile sewing and embroidery technique. And so we learned a lot about that and the significance and importance behind it and how it's found in our clothing and also many pieces of things that we own. And so I think that's something that I'm taking away from the Youth Organizing Institute. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, Hmong textiles are so amazing and pretty. And, you know, honestly, cultural preservation is a weapon right now for us to reclaim that. That goes a long ways in our sustainability in the work. And so I'm really glad to hear that you were inspired to incorporate that more in your life. What about you, Asia? Yeah, so I've been really fortunate to gain like a lot of uh, understanding and experience in terms of digital organizing from the summer to the fall. And and through that, I think I realized a lot of it is just helping or, or guiding our communities by informing them or primarily providing resources to for them to utilize, uh, to learn on their own, pretty much guiding them. And, and also getting involved, my North Star, I guess, in this case, would be getting involved in public policy, whether it be, I'm not exactly too sure yet, but for sure I'm looking more towards like a master's program in that aspect. But yeah, but, but my ultimate goal with it um, that I focus on a lot is making politics and just talking about it accessible, making people not scared about it, encouraging people to feel comfortable and that you don't need to have a bunch of experience just to to qualify to talk about these topics that their opinion matters as well and it's about making an informed opinion right making sure that we're not being misinformed i think that's a huge one and really having conversations around it because that's primarily what started my own journey is that just having conversations like you know our family institutions really dictate you know what route you take i was never encouraged to really really lead especially and and outspokenly about politics or anything of that sort as a Hmong woman. So I think that just having simple conversations and support really helped. And this actually uh, motivated me to create a club on campus at Sac State for diverse women in political science who assure that women do, and those who identify as women, who do have a, a space to feel comfortable to talk because even the classrooms can be very political at times where it's primarily white men who are the ones who dominate the mm-hmm. um, class space. And so it's really bringing attention to that and calling in people. I think that's the ultimate thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an incredible amount of Hmong women coming up in the political policy world. So I am excited that you'll be joining their reigns because, yeah, it's, it's much needed. We need people in every corner. And what about you, Leo? Yeah. Hey, this is Leo again. Yeah, I think I came out of base and I was actually a part of LEX with Cassie as well. You know, both coming, I came out of both of those programs, you know, feeling really um, empowered with the political education, like, like folks mentioned and new connections. And I think that feeling really stuck with me and has, you know, inspired me to step up into a place of leadership, which, you know, I might not have felt very comfortable with before. And yeah, a place of leadership where I feel good about, you know, holding the community in different ways. So recently that's looked like being a part of RUR's advisory committee. And there's been a, a really awesome focus on bringing the community together to, you know, share art and celebrate during this time. But you know, also to acknowledge the hardships that our community is facing right now, you know, with COVID. So it's been cool really getting involved with like COVID relief efforts and fundraising to just provide resources for folks in the community that have been really impacted by this pandemic. Yeah, and and I think that's been really exciting for me to, to have that impact in the Bay, but also I guess internationally as well and have that impact in, in my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see you. Thank you for sharing. And with that, we're going to take another quick music break. We're going to listen to Ruby Abara Us. Island woman dies, walang makakatigil. Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat. They got nothing on us nothing on us nothing on us nothing on us island woman rise walang makakatigil brown brown woman rise alamin ang yung ugat they got nothing on us nothing on us Nothing on us It's some bucks up Yo, fuck a story arc If it don't involve no matriarchs And mothers work on the ground Up they craft an air like ATR With the butterfly sleeves Naka-Philippine plan Pag nagsalita mga panat ay bala Wag magtaka kung ako ay makatabulok Na sistema, kurako sa pera Bagsak, but we put in our heart into darkness 
they putting these pics in the office Oh, you thinking you're schooling But you hella lost Cause you best get the boss While I top this But look at my eyes She moving so cold Can't hold a calendar Her when she glow Flick at the wrist With the elo she hold But now goes the elo She dripping in gold We pulling up in a jeepney All of my soldiers greet me Hand me bandanas And pull back my hammer It's warfare when you see me Skin you alive for my country I live and die for my country I kill a pig in a white hooded suit On the low For my country They got evil plans In the devil's hands But I don't pray Cause I organize They got new ways to impose strength, but I teach mine how to mobilize. We don't fight for the money, for the greedy, for the white man. All we want is our freedom and the right to live on our motherland. Island woman rise, walang makakatigil. Brown, brown woman rise, alamin ang yung ugat. They got nothing on us. Nothing on us. Nothing on us. Nothing on us. Island woman rise, walang makakatigil. Brown, brown woman rise. God is up, guerrilla warfare in every lifetime. We don't take no shit except an oppressor's lifeline. If you step out of your line, I will protect what's mine. Kahit merong rosario, sino magdiliktas sa yo? Puro dugo, pukut ulo, mulat sa dagat, ang gumuto. Proclaim it with stars, the high and the low. These women are gods, you already know. Deeper than water, the wind in a village, the river runs red. You'll be dead in a minute, like never's for nine. Just have you beheaded. Fuck with my tribe, quickly regret. I'm a Nico Sakamai, and he's sang me crop on us a bite. At the top and talk, I'm getting a night. At the limo, knock some mass a bite. Manga bar and your lahat supply. Manga rappers, snap, puru, bangai. Did a ma and call lahat patai. Kaya walang magi ingai. I got that Filipino phenotype. Kayu monkey, mestizo white. But give me that moreno like. That roofie, your rakino type. My lola stay be sleeping like. Those bali. Songs and bolo knife. I breathe the ether, need no hype. Two tongues are sharper with the mic. I need no in my history life. From a land where greed is sweeping tight. They thieve until one piece of might. Just turn to see no, see no light. Hacienda like Aquino, right? Rodrigo vigilante type. They kill my teeth, no left and right. With smoke and mirrors fill the night. So let it be known, if you don't already. Penais have always been part and parcel, if not imperative and critical to the struggle. Filipinas are no strangers to wielding our own power. Of all the privileges that exist in this world, none of which you may be a benefactor of, there is at least one you bear, and that is the privilege of having been born a Filipina. Your DNA contains building blocks made from the mud of over 500 years of resistance and survival, and when you are ready, sis, we'll be right here, right here, right here. Right here. Said. Planning route.
Community Radio, KBOO Portland. Bienvenidos a un breve informativo en su estación comunitaria KBOO 90.7 FM. Hoy viernes 